and welcome to episode 26 of Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust, a First Geek 411 podcast series. I'm <laughs> don't you laugh at me every time I do that. Oh, nothing. I'm Carrie, and by the time you hear this, I will be in Scotland. But right now, I am with my sister Corey and my friend Deanna. Hello. <laughs> it's just rubbing it in at this point. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just kidding. What do the Scottish say? What's their greeting? I don't. Do we know? I don't know. Is there a, I don't think there's a Scottish greeting. Aww. Yeah, because the Irish have top of the morning, do you? <laughs> oh my gosh, Corey. Remember? My, my oh. Irish accent at Comic Palooza. Oh like, no. Two years ago. <laughs> Oof, it was a thing. All right. Anyway. Oh lord. Yeah, you completely derailed me. Ahem. Anyway, for those of you who have heard us before you know our social media is faith trust and pixie dust podcast that's on facebook and our email is firstgeek411 at gmail.com our twitter is at ftpd underscore podcast our personal twitters are for me carrie at sparkle underscore fists for Corey, it is spilled x water and for deanna it's at deanna 790 check us out on itunes stitcher google podcast and spotify and today's episode is sponsored by Thy Geekdom Come. When Klingons invade your time with God, don't run from it, embrace it, and let your geek and faith flags fly together with Thy Geekdom Come, a 42-day devotional that merges the geeky things you love with the God you love. Get your copy today at Amazon or use the promo code PIXIEDUST, all caps, to get 25% off the ebook at mythosync.com. Yeah. I did it! <laughs> you did it. Congratulations. Yay. All right. Um, you guys don't know what I did, went through to do that. <laughs> anyway, today we are going to rank our top four Disney dads because Father Day is coming up. And we're going to talk about a trailer that dropped today and some other cool Yay. Disney news. But before any of that, we're going to talk about our feature film, Meet the Robinsons. Yay. Yay. Meet, Meet the Robinsons was in our top four last week. So... You know, that in itself tells you how good it is. Mm -hmm. If you have not seen it, uh, you need to. But here's a brief synopsis. It's based on the book A Day with Wilbur Robinson. Orphaned boy genius Lewis gives up hope of any of his inventions working when his memory scanner, which he built to try to find his mother, breaks at the science fair. It is then Lewis meets young time traveler named Wilbur Robinson, who tells him he needs to fix the memory scanner or it will screw up the space-time continuum forever. Lewis needs convincing that Wilbur is from the future, so Wilbur whisks Lewis away in his time machine. The boys spend a day in the future with Wilbur's eccentric family and learn what really makes family, all while being pursued by a mysterious, sinister man in a bowler hat. Bowler hat guy. Bowler hat guy. <laughs> I, I got some trivia for y'all before we continue into our thoughts. <clears throat> Okie dokie. This movie started out as a live action project. What? Really? Yes! <laughs> Well, it's because um, this is actually the uh, first Walt Disney Animation Studios movie. Okay. Um, because the whole actual, like, official Walt Disney Animation Studios thing, I guess, wasn't a thing, really. Um, like, Walt Disney, like, did it. But this, I think, was the first thing, like, actually with that name. Hmm. And they, uh, and that was actually the next thing I was going to say. This started the Walt Disney Animation Studios uh, after their agreement with Pixar ended, expired. 
Um, and that was whenever the whole Steamboat Willie thing started up, you know, at the beginning. That's It started with this movie. Oh, yeah. I see. So they're kind of like really establishing the Disney animation brand yes, and yes. not just Disney. Disney, right. In yes, general. exactly. Oh, mm-hmm. I never thought about that, actually. Right. And because remember, like the last, like every, you said everything from, we said before, everything from 2006 on. Well, this was 2007. It was their first one. Uh, yeah. Like the CGI. So this was whenever it really, like the animation studios hit and all that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. And that makes sense because like all of the movies before had the like just Walt Disney Castle where it's like mm-hmm. do 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 or whatever. Yeah, this or, had like, the Steamboat yeah. Willie icon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. interesting. After reading the screenplay, director Stephen J. Anderson actively lobbied to direct this movie because he was a child of adoption himself. Aww. Yeah. And he struggled with the uh, emotions that Lewis struggles with questions about belonging and being wanted and all of that. So that's that's it was really important to him. And he really wanted to play this part. Oh, no, he wanted to play a role in creating this movie. OK, um, actually, it did play roles in the movie, but that comes up later. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the character of Lewis, who is the main character, was voiced by both Daniel Hansen and Jordan Fry. Daniel Hansen voiced Lewis at the beginning of the film's production, but had to be recast when his voice broke. Oh, and, yes. uh, and when Lewis needed things changed, they had Jordan Fry redub the segments. And apparently it's noticeable in some parts of the movie. I was never like cognitively aware that it was two separate actors, but I do think I realized in the movie that he sounded different at different parts. But I wasn't aware that it was because it was a different actor. He just sounded different. Like, I don't know. I'll say this. It's not so blatant as Sword in the Stone. That's true. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, the Robinsons' topiary garden is inspired by Walt Disney World with large, hey. intricate topiaries, which are generally of Mickey and other recognizable characters at the park, uh, have long been a staple of Disney World. Also... The Robinson's garden features circular bounce pads during the scenes where the characters bounce on these. They bounce in the same way as the jumping fountains outside the Imagination Pavilion at Epcot, which also jump from colored circles. So there was a lot of Disney World inspired stuff in this film. Yeah, it's very much like looks like what is like, I think they call it the Flower and Garden Festival, where there's like tons of topiaries, like even more than we saw in like flowers and like, yeah. Like and there's a, cool lot of, there's a lot of Tomorrowland inspiration in this they movie, They even show Tomorrowland. But they it called like it... Shows but they call today it, like, Land. Todayland. Yes, they call it Todayland. <laughs> yeah, but there was a lot of Tomorrowland inspiration in this we movie. We finally made it to tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Today. <laughs> I love that Easter egg. It's so great. Um, as I mentioned before, the director, Stephen J. Anderson, played parts in the movie, along with Ethan Sandler... Uh, they voice more than one. Um, and many of these characters that they voice interact. Consequently, the two of them spent much time in voiceover sessions together, recording back and forth. Um, for example, the director played the bowler hat guy. Nice. And he played Grandpa Bud. Aww. And he played Tallulah. And I'm pretty sure, isn't Tallulah the octopus? Uh, no, that's Lefty. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Lefty. Tallulah is the puppet. No. Uh, See, I feel like this is that scene in the movie where they're trying to keep everybody straight. <laughs> Who was Tallulah? I don't, I don't remember. I'm looking it up. Okay. Me too. Thank you. It's a race. <laughs> it's a race. 
Oh, the Tallulah is... Wow, y'all. Yeah, Tallulah's the one that is um, married to Joe. She so has she the, the train. Puppet. Yes. Okay. okay, she has the train. Okay. Is that what you meant, Corey? The train girl? I, wait, no. Is she the puppet? Because I said the puppet! She's not the puppet! It's. I'm just... I'm wrong about who it is. It's not that one. I mixed them up. This is um, the puppet's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so she has the, weird this she, movie. She's the one who's like, you mean North Montana? Oh, okay. Yeah, she's that one. Okay. Um, right, okay, yeah, we're gonna have to cut some of that out. Anyway, uh, and Ethan plays Doris, the CEO, Spike and Dimitri, Laszlo, Fritz, and Petunia. Okay. So they did a lot of interactions together. Oh. Um, and when I, the scene I just mentioned where they're doing the whole scene in the movie where they're trying to figure out all of Wilbur's weird family, um, when Wilbur is talking about his family, uh, <laughs> um, Lewis asks what his dad looks like because his dad's not there. And he says he looks like Tom Selleck. And what's funny is at the end when Wilbur's dad shows up, Tom Selleck actually voices Cornelius. Mm hmm. And it's great. Like, I love that little Easter egg. He's like, mm, he, uh, he looks like Tom Selleck. And it, they <laughs> continue on. And Tom Selleck actually voices Cornelius. And I love that. They even show a picture of Tom Selleck yes. at one point. It's, they yeah. do. Like, they replace it with, like, this beautiful painting looking thing of Tom Selleck. It's That's so what funny. they used to, like, when he's, Wilbur's, like, describing, like, mm-hmm. the dad or whatever yes. to um, Lewis. And he just shows a picture of Tom Selleck. Yes. I love that. So that's, I think that's one of my favorite parts. But yeah, that's all of my fun <laughs> facts for this movie. Uh, what did y'all think of rewatching this movie? Because I know we all really like it. It's a little gem, this movie. It's just so cute. It is. <laughs> um, good time. It's got a lot of fun characters. And like, like we kind of mentioned with some of the trivia, it's just so quirky and weird. And it just kind of makes you love it because it's like, this is so weird, but I love it because it's like a cute story. It's kind of in a ridiculous um, kind of setting, but um, it's got a lot of heart to it. But it has I mean, so much heart. It never gets old. I love it. And I wish more people would watch it because it Corey? kind of flew under oh. the radar. Corey? Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I also adore this movie. I love rewatching it every time. I love the quirks, like Deanna said. I love how sincere this movie is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's weird and it's funny and it can be sincere without having to be serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but it's the just thing, it's hard to hit that sweet spot, like you're mentioning, of being sincere while remaining silly. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to hit that, but this movie manages to do so. It does, and it's just very sweet. Everyone is very genuinely, like, kind of kind and loving and warm in the family. And it gives you just, you want to be part of this family. Oh my gosh, They're yes. all weird, and they know it, and they're fine with that, and they still love each other. It's great. They just embrace the weirdness. I am. Um, um, I also think this weirdness. movie has an absolutely wonderful message. The keep moving forward message I just it struck me rewatching it um, for this week that message of not dwelling on your mistakes and and how that led to the villain you know ruining his own life but then blames on other people you know mm-hmm. you need to you know I love the part where it's like you made a mistake we learn more from mistakes from success not so much I'm like 
I love that. I love that so much because people are fallible and <laughs> I love the I, idea uh, that it's such a good message for people when they screw up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I also, <laughs> there's just like little one liners in here that I enjoy so much. <laughs> and most of them seem to come from the bowler hat guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bowler hat guy. I don't, that's wonderful and I've mentioned on this podcast repeatedly how uh, how much I love the uh, they hated me you know everyone hated me and um cool binder want to come to my house you know (laughs) like people clearly how much I love that but this time I don't know why I really enjoyed the bit where he's like I know I'm disgusting (laughs) one learns to love it (laughs) one learns to love it Um, and he's just wearing the same pajamas he's been wearing since he was a child I love the part whenever he's like, don't ever let it go. Let it fester until it boils inside of you. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, poor kid just like, what? <laughs> what I love also is this movie, I think what maybe turns some people off of it is its plot is in the backseat. Like, the yeah. plot of this film is actually like the not the most important part of this film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, it's not as flashy. No, it's very it's... nice and it, and it, it's a good plot. But yeah, the kind of silly jokes and the like, it has a slice of life stuff going on yeah. to it. And the the climax and the plot, you know, the action stuff is kind of rushed. But they let mm-hmm. you fall in love with this family and these characters and really get inside of them. And I love that personally. Mm-hmm. But if you love the characters, you don't necessarily care about oh, yeah. all the, you know, the wild twists and turns, you know, because you just want to enjoy these characters. Exactly. And they still have managed to pull out some plot twists on you oh, yeah. and they still keep it entertaining. But yeah, it's not the most like intricate plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think this movie is probably one of those like victims of one not being a princess movie. Um, and also, like, probably in that same region where we had a lot of movies not getting some good um, marketing and stuff. But It was before um, the revival when they got all experimental again. Yeah, they you know. kind of lost some credibility for making great movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it's a solid film. It's just kind oh, yes. of very different and its own thing. And But yeah, it's like. I wish more people would watch it because it's so good. So I watched this uh, this this movie with my roommate right after. I was going to ask you this. Week. Yeah. <laughs> um. Whenever we were like, it was so cool watching it with her because seeing how she reacted to certain things and also seeing her try to get the plot twist ahead of time. She got one of them, but she didn't get the other. And uh, whenever we were done, she's like, "Yeah, this is better than Wreck It Ralph." Because Wreck-It Ralph was in her top four. Because, like, sometimes I tell her what our top four is going to be and she makes her own. Mm-hmm. And she she agreed that she would put yeah. this in the top four. Um, and I was so happy. Um, she loved how memeable this movie was. Because <laughs> yeah. there were certain parts where she's like, I've seen this! I just didn't know it was this! Um, <laughs> like, the part with the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um... And no, like it was that. marketed heavily. It was, but in the movie, it's not as st- 
stupid as it was in the trailer, in my opinion. Which is good. He's kind um, of like mocking the villain of like, I don't yeah. think you thought about this. <laughs> it's just like I love when they just look over and he's rocking. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like he's holding his tail and he's just like this adorable little thing. Um, I yeah. love that. I also love the gangster mobster frogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like little Doris now sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the bowler hat. Um, John Lasseter became like the head of Disney at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually criticized the movie for not having a scary enough villain. <laughs> he also um he also canceled the sequel. I didn't know that. John Lasseter he canceled a lot of well, he canceled a lot of sequels. He said he wanted to focus on original content, which I, I appreciate. I do appreciate that. I mean, and I also think this movie, like, it could have had a sequel, but I feel like the whole thing was kind of wrapped up in one movie. Like, I yeah. don't like, I don't know where else it would go other than let's just go travel in time somewhere. Well, I guess if they kicked it forward enough and they dealt with some with Wilbur, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or Wilbur and Cornelius, or even it could be, you know... Uh, Lewis um, after the events of this film Um, I love the ending of this movie yeah I do too the music that they play there with it because this movie does not have any songs for those of you who haven't seen it hey hey don't say that okay they don't sing those frogs sing okay the frogs sing and they're great singers Um, (laughs) they're very musically gifted but the song that the song that is played over the animation at the end i love that song because of this movie i think it fits that part perfectly i don't know i just love it yeah it's yeah it's so sweet especially because like you don't see like themes like adoption and like being accepted as like you don't see it that often in movies and i feel like it should be more because like there are a lot of kids that are adopted that probably would love to connect with a movie like this and they can yeah, like, especially if they spent any time in, like, orphanages or foster care or something. I feel like having that be a more present theme in movies and stuff would be a great thing to have. Because then they don't feel like as much like they're alone, maybe. I don't know. You know but, what I loved? What? What? I loved that they didn't make him an actual orphan as in his parents died. Right. Like, mm. We don't really know because what happened. We don't, but we know that he was left there for some reason by her choice. And it might have been the best decision she could make. Like she couldn't take care of him or have the means or Yeah, and it might have been the best decision she could make. But regardless, this wasn't a, oh, it was a freak accident. And he actually really does have to struggle with feeling unwanted by his, you know, original family. And, Those feelings uh, of self-worth that he struggles with really hit me. Yeah. Because he, he thinks that he has to be worth something with his inventions, you know? And then when those fail, to be he loses. worthwhile, yeah. Yeah, he loses it completely. Like, he gets frustrated and depressed and angry because he thinks he's a failure at the one thing he has to offer the world. Yeah, it's and like... And that's so sad. He's like, feels like he has to sell himself with his abilities. And, like, yes. the only way he can be loved is... By Like, success. by parents is by being, like, doing everything right and perfect. And it's like that's they're not looking for a perfect. They're just they just want a little one to raise and love. Like, that is a thing gifted kids struggle with. Yeah, I'm sure it the is. Yeah. Having to be perfect in order to be loved kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
that's just yeah. also a type per a type thing too like some yeah. people just have that like personality yeah. type as well right um y'all want to hear something awful hmm. i don't i don't know how to answer that question no but i'm what? intrigued <laughs> what this um this film premiered uh, behind Blades of Glory. No! <laughs> uh, <laughs> why, you gotta, why you gotta make me sad like that? Okay, closing thoughts, everybody. Closing thoughts. Um, This is just like a side fact, and I want to share it because I'm excited about this. <laughs> so in the special features of this DVD... Um, a certain band from when I was in high school covered a alternate version of the song Kids of America called Kids of the Future. And they recently got back together and released a new album. And I'm going the to Joe see them in Bros. December. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers, oh, right? No. Disney is the reason for their success. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm so happy they're back together. Let's put I'm this out. so excited. Let's put this out there. I was never a Jonas Brothers fan. I was a huge Jonas Brothers fan. I didn't <laughs> hate them. I thought, as people, they're cool people, but I was never into their music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was very much a boy band lover as a teenager. So oh, I, Corey and I, I were hardcore in sync. But oh, for sure. And this was just yet. the next generation of the next part of my growing up. But they're back together, and they actually have a documentary on prime that's really good yeah it's kind of their story about how like their father was like a preacher and got like kind of gave up his career and stuff to support his boys and stuff in their dream but also congratulations joe and sophie oh yeah yes (laughs) oh man joe has credited sophie with helping bring them back together I got tickets and I'm seeing them in December again. <laughs> this you know, will be my third Jonas Brothers concert. I'm so excited. You know Sophie Turner was just a Joe, Jonas Brothers fan as a teen and just was like, I want to marry him and make him get back together. And then she and did it. She's living the dream. Thank you so much, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie, right. we can be besties. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, as I say, this is not an episode about them as much as we could gush. All right, so... Anything else? Last closing thoughts, Corey. Love it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, definitely check it out. It is on Netflix for now until Disney Plus happens. Go watch it. Honestly, this movie is so amazing and so different from what you might, what you'll see other places, and even in so what you see in Disney. So yes, go watch this movie. Yeah. All right. Now for this week in Disney history. June 15th, 2018. Incredibles 2 was released after a long, long wait. <laughs> what? Yeah. I know. It was only a year ago, but it was important. How long was that hi- hiatus between? Like 15 years or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. So, June 16th, 1955. Disney's 15th animated feature film, Lady and the Tramp, has its world premiere in Chicago. It was the first Disney cartoon feature filmed in Cinemascope. Nice. Yes. So Lady and the Tramp is our friend Misha's favorite uh, Disney Mm -hmm. movie. So, yeah. I love it, too. It's cute. Dogs. Cute puppies. Puppies. (laughs) 
Uh, June 16th, 2000. Fantasia. Oh, this was for you, Deanna. Uh, Yay! Fantasia 2000, the sequel to the 1940 Disney classic, opens at regular movie theaters nationwide. I remember going to see this. You would, because I didn't. Well, what was cool is we saw it at a one of those, it was like an IMAX theater, but it was like a dome-shaped one. Oh, that's cool. So, like, the coolest one was, I, I don't remember the music piece, but it was the one with the whales in it. Um, but it was, like, just amazing to see that, because you were, like, surrounded by, like, these whales that are, like, in the sky and, like, swimming and all kinds of stuff. It's, it was, that was really cool. That's mostly, like, I remember watching it because I love Fantasia, but it was just, like, a one of those really cool theaters, so that was a fun time. I love Fantasia. <laughs> I saw part of it once on a bus in high school. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Going on a trip. It's uh, okay. about, anyway. it's about as, uh, as far as that went. <laughs> tweet tweet me, Fantasia lovers. I need friends. <laughs> there was, there's a dancing hippo in it. That's the original one. Oh. <laughs> this one has Donald as I Noah. I the whale. <laughs> um... There was, like, a scene with, like, a nature nymph goddess thing that I know was in 2000. Yeah, it was a firebird right. sweep. There you go. <laughs> I knew I knew something. Yeah, because the, the, it was about M- Mount St. Helens exploding, and then Mother Nature, like, kind of got pushed back, and then she came back to life and restored Mount oh, St. Helens. that's cool. I know about Mount St. Helens. Yeah, it's based <laughs> off of that, but it's based off of the firebird sweep. Cool. All right. We're going to move on, because we can talk yes. about this. Deanna can talk about this for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Newsies banner. She's going to pick this movie one of these days. Oh, no! And she'll make Just you late! Uh, okay, so something special dropped today. Yes. It was the Frozen 2 trailer. <laughs> We're getting another one! Oh, my God. More gosh. Frozen. So... I woke up this morning and immediately looked up the trailer. Yes. Boom. First thing I did today. Um, I was not blown away by this trailer. I wanted more. I feel they, like, half the trailer was just repeating the the water scene again. Yeah. I was, I was like, I wanted to see something different. I want, we don't, we still don't know a lot about what the plot is. I'm excited still. I'm very excited. Um, I think this is going to be a really cool action adventure film, but I was like, I still know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything more than I knew from the teaser. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think, Corey? Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. We know a little more, maybe, but not much. Skosh. But it was it was very it was still beautiful. Oh, yes. it had the good epic feeling from the beginning. They love showing us that scene of Elsa trying to run on the water. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. It is. Very I just good. I want to know why. I have more questions. So many more questions. Which is probably the point. Yeah. Like what is the horse creature in the water and what is and we've got bigger trolls? Seahorse. um i'm wondering if there's gonna be any kind of basis on some norse mythology or norse legends or anything or if they're kind of just using maybe an idea as a baseline and then doing like like what moana did and kind of making their own like or 
partial their own partial like mythology or something i don't know yeah i don't know i love elsa's like mauve like purpley dress or like magenta ish yes. colored dress yeah yes and i love that they showed more uh details on anna's outfit because i really want to make <laughs> that so much um i hope this movie fixes my biggest complaint about frozen one it will I hope. I'm confident. Okay, here's the thing: is I got really worried when they showed us Olaf and Anna in the snow canoe together without Elsa. Mm. I got real worried. My main problem with Frozen One is they said it was a sister movie, and the sisters barely interact. Yeah, and that bothers me as somebody who has a sister, and everybody tells us that Corey and I are Elsa and Anna. And they never. I'm they, clearly Anna. Yes, you are, and I'm clearly Elsa. Um, <laughs> no, scratch that reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I was very annoyed that we got so little from the two of them, and I want this movie. When they held hands, I was like, <laughs> uh, I did not cry. I am over exaggerating. I did not cry. Uh-huh. Yet, yet. Sounds like something someone who hates Frozen would say. I do not hate Frozen! (laughs) (laughs) All right, Um, we're moving on to the next thing if everybody's done mocking me. All right. I was excited to see this next announcement. At this year's, I'm going to say it wrong, it's Annecy International Animation Film Festival. It's French. I'm terrible at pronouncing French things. There we go. Yeah, Uh, I'm not going to try. Disney announced a reboot of one of its classic animated series and shared updates on a handful of others. So to sum this up, uh, the article that I read, they're going to reboot Chip and Dale. <gasps> Yay! Not Rescue Rangers. Aww. Chip and Dale. Yeah, nah. sorry. It's just Chip and Dale. It's okay. We still love Chip and Dale. Yes. And they revealed they're going to make a Monsters, Inc. series hmm. called Monsters at Work. Both Billy Crystal and John Goodman will return to their roles as Mike and Sully for the series, which picks up six months after the original film ended. Now that the factories of Monsters, Inc. no longer harvest screams after Mark Mike and Sully prove that laughter provides 10 times more energy. A new generation of workers who fancy themselves as funny, this article thing, as funny, a look to shine. There we go. There was no comma there or whatever. Uh, Led by Tyler Tuskman, a mechanic at the factory. The series is going to be 39 seven minute episodes. They'll be produced using traditional animation styles and feature contemporary slapstick narratives as the furry pair struggle with life in a big city. I don't like them saying furry pair because only one of them is furry. But Yeah, Mike is not doesn't yeah. have hair. That was that was copied from the article. Anyway, uh, both of these will be on Disney Plus, according to my sources. Okay. I also have a, a link to the article that you can check up on the other new series that they're going to be producing. But I was just excited for these main two. Okay. I never saw Monsters University. I think I saw like five minutes of it somewhere, but I was not thrilled with that. But I actually look forward fun. to seeing this. It, I mean, it's I okay. care about the backstory so much for them. I It was basically like, what was it? Revenge of the Nerds or Animal House done with Monsters, Inc. And I really wasn't interested in that. Um, yeah, it, it was it was cute. Like, because it does, like, plays with, like, the college life thing with, like, sororities and stuff. But, um, wasn't nothing, nothing right home about. But it was a good time. I just feel with how original the first movie was. Going back and doing a college movie, it's basically a ripoff of, like, the college movies that came out, like, several decades ago. 
just seemed mm-hmm. like a step in the wrong direction in my mind um because the first movie is so original yeah um, yeah that's just my thoughts on it not that it was you know bad per se uh, but i'm really excited that they're getting billy crystal and john goodman to come back that's that's really cool Anyway, so we'll uh, we'll talk more about that as the things come forward. We're definitely going to have a Disney Plus. Like, we have to. Um, Duh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know, you guys. I don't like Disney that much. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, the time has come to get down to business. <gasps> Let's get down to business and rank the dads. Some dads. <laughs> <laughs> So, as I mentioned before, we're going to rank our top four Disney fathers slash father figures. As the host, I believe I go first. Indeed. Yeah. Anyway, so my number four, I was reading this name and I think I'm not certain about its pronunciation because I didn't I wanted to make sure I pronounced it correctly. And when I looked up pronunciations online, it said it differently than in the movie. And I was like, oh, well, that's just Aww. gonna, <laughs> that's just gonna freak me out. So my number four is Fazu from Mulan. Yes. That's how they pronounce it in the movie. Yeah. Um, I saw other places it was Fa Zhao. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I'm gonna go with the how the movie said. We apologize yeah. to anyone for our mispronunciations, but we're doing our best. <laughs> I have offered. We have offered you the three that we have heard places. We apologize, anybody who is Chinese. Mm-hmm. Just um, call him Fozzy. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna call him Father Fa. <laughs> Father Fozzy. Father no. Um, I picked him as my number four because it's clear how much he loves Mulan. You know he is in a time period in a place where having a son is what would have been best and more honorable for his family. But he has a daughter, just one. And it's clear the way he interacts with her that he loves her. Um, And then she isn't exactly what he wants or expects her to be. And he's a little harsh with her at the beginning, but that could be because, you know, he's about to go to war and he knows that he's been injured from being a hero in the previous war and he could very well die. And that's he's maybe possibly worried about her future because she doesn't, quote, know her place. And he's worried about a future without him, possibly, or a future where she isn't accepted and where Mm -hmm. she fits into that. Um, I don't think it's because he disapproves necessarily of who she is. Um, that's not exactly what I got from watching it. Um, yeah. But then in the end, whenever she offers him all of these gifts and he throws them down and puts his arms around her and says that the greatest thing he could ever have was her. It's Aww. like, oh, that scene where he gets over his preconceived notions and accepts her completely and just loves her for who she is, is such a great moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's number four on my list just because of the initial harshness. But it's very clear they have a strong relationship or else if she did, like Mulan wouldn't have tried to go die for him if they didn't. Yes. Um, but I just I love him. I think he's great. And what's actually funny is he's the only human father on my list. Oh, right. my. <laughs> so you're doing good, uh, Father Fa, as far as uh, <laughs> human dads go. Um <laughs> My number three is Mufasa. 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 (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> Mufasa's number three. He could be higher on my list, but he's not. Um, <laughs> All right. Because of other, because of reasons. Um, we don't see him throughout Simba's life, actually. Um, he doesn't do the majority of the raising, but he does leave quite an impact on Simba. We know that he cares about Simba. We know he put Simba's protection and well-being and life above his own because he gave his life trying to save Simba. Um, and we know that he's interactive with his son, taking him out to go look across the Pride Lands and all of that. He's he's just one of the ultimate dads in Disney. And I think maybe if he had had to raise Simba during Simba's teenage years, perhaps he would have been a bit harsher. <laughs> But he died before he could make a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, but I love the scene after he yells at him in the elephant graveyard, after he saves him from the hyenas, when he talks about, I just want to be brave like you. And he talks about bravery and how he was scared of losing Simba. And that is the thing that scares him. And they're playing together. And just that scene is so cute. Just seeing that kind of interaction is really cool. I love that scene. And uh, yeah, so. He's number three. Love him to death. Oh, literally. Mm. <laughs> My number two father is Pongo from 101 Dalmatians. Oh, Pongo. Because not only is he a good father to his own flesh and blood babies, <laughs> he loves the others too. And he's like, we'll take them with us at the same, like, with the same energy that Roger's like, we'll keep them all. <laughs> um, Pongo is my number two dad. He is like, I love his goofy expression when he finds out that he has 15 puppies. Like, he just like looks drunk with happiness. It's adorable. And he's very interactive in the raising of his puppies. And very, like, he fights people to save the lives of not just his own 15 puppies, but all of the others that he has now adopted into their life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, and he's great. And he's very good with them. And, yeah, he's my number two. Um, oh. risking life and limb to save puppies and also all of the adopted puppies. So, yeah. Pongo. <laughs> and my number one is either the one that's going to shock everybody or I think everybody will have him as their number one. Hmm. And that is Goofy. Oh. Goofy is a good... Goofy has been raising Max by himself for years and has been doing such a good job and he loves his son so much and he's just he's very caring he makes he he's the only parental figure in max's life like you know from a young age and we know this because of goof troop right because in goof troop when max is even younger his mom's not there mm -hmm. so we he he's been doing he's been a single dad for so long and he's been doing such a good job raising Max and doing everything for him and taking care of him and having such a good personality and trying to have such and we know we talked about a goofy movie um months ago and how they had a strained relationship but that's when Max is a teenager you know that's yeah. that is a hard time especially if, especially if you're the only parent in that household. You take the entire brunt of the hate and the anger and the angst. Mm -hmm. So my number one dad is Goofy just because he does so much for his son. And it's not just like he's he's doing both the father and the mom stuff. He does all the cleaning and he is like the sole provider and all. I just he does everything and mm -hmm. he does it well. 
So, yeah, yeah. Goofy's number one father. Aww. Yeah. All right. Very cool. All right, I'm next. Yes. So, my number four dad is Marlin. Marlin. Marlin crossed the ocean to find his son. He was a cowardly little fish, basically. He didn't want, he was afraid of everything, but he went to such lengths to save his son and to get his son back. It is very impressive. I mean, you know, he made some mistakes, obviously, kind of being overprotective in the beginning, but he does learn about that, and he realizes that Nemo is confident, competent, excuse me, and able to do things on his own if he gives him the chance. He, um, you know, that fight that they had is kind of what led to Nemo being taken, and he obviously kind of blames himself for it, but that's what happens. I mean, people people that care about each other fight, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Marlon is such a good choice. I hadn't mm-hmm. even thought about him. He's mm-hmm. a good dad. He's a good dad. And um, <clears throat> my number three is Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. Mufasa. <laughs> Because, um, you know, of everything Carrie said, he's a very good father. He did, he protected his son very well, um, as long as he lived. (laughs) You know, and not only doing the protecting and saving him in the same way as Marlon did, but he also tries to offer advice. And, you know, he spoke to his son from beyond the grave to try and set things right, which is a pretty big deal. That's true. So yeah, Mufasa. Who you are? Who you are? <sighs> I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but there was a moment when we were all at Shakespeare <laughs> Festival, and there were three of us at Shakespeare Festival, and we're out laying on blankets watching Hamlet, <laughs> and uh, King Hamlet starts speaking, and all three of us look at each other and go, "Remember, Remember who you are." <laughs> It was a great moment. I mean, naturally. It was yeah. unplanned, but it was there. It was, it was great. Mm-hmm. My number two is my, um, it's going to be my one out of left field. Okay. My number two is Akila. From Jungle Book? From Jungle Book. Hmm. Mowgli's uh, wolf father. Yes, um, Akila is the pack leader, and yes, I know in the book that Akila is not um, Mowgli's adoptive father; it's Father Wolf, and Akila is just the pack leader. But we're talking about Disney, so mm-hmm. Akila is the wolf that adopts Mowgli as his son, um, and yes, they they take him in and keep him safe. And depending on the variation in the um, recent, the 2016. I believe. Oh, um, yeah. Movie. Oh. Akila died for Mowgli. Mm. That so, part I mean, shocked me so much. Mm-hmm. They they took in this helpless creature that looked nothing like them, and Akila made him his son, and he was willing to die for him. Oh. So, yeah. Akila's a good dad. <laughs> good daddy. And um, I can't talk about that much more. No, the puppies! <laughs> I know, but suffice it to say, Akila was a very good dad. They tried to raise Mowgli with all of their other children as best they could. They made him a, a real member of the pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't very supportive of Mowgli's 
tricks and stuff. But he was trying to raise him the best way he knew how to as a wolf father. Mm -hmm. Question. Am I making this up or misremembering or is this real? Whenever Bagheera brings baby Mowgli in the animated one and Akila looks down at him, he gets kind of like a little wolf smile. Because he thinks he's so cute. He's like... Well, it's kind of like a like a puzzled look as well. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, I just yeah. think that there's definitely a, like a paternal, a loving sort of paternal instinct to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Good. But I'm not just making that up. All right. Yeah. So yeah, Akila. Um, and my number one is Goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <Goofy movie. laughs> Because like, he really is a good dad. <laughs> he's, he's doing everything for Max. And not only is he trying to, to be a good dad and know, do all the things he knows he's supposed to, he's really trying to share and connect with him on a yes. deep level. He He's even trying to... You can even see how he's trying to be unselfish when he's saying, you know, that he just wants to be a part of his life. And that he's he's trying to do what he needs to and give him space and how he's trying to he acknowledges that he's growing up and can have more freedoms, but he just wants to be a part of his life still. And I thought that was so sweet. Hmm. I knew it. I knew either Goofy was going to be everybody's <laughs> number one or nobody was going to remember. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I could not forget Goofy as dad. Goofy yeah. uh-uh. great dad. Number one father. <laughs> okay. Uh, means it's my turn. It's yeah. your turn. Um, my number four is crazy old Maurice. Crazy old Maurice. <laughs> because hmm? I just thought of the scene where Belle's talking to him. And she's like, father, do you think I'm odd? And he's like, my daughter? Odd? What gave you that idea? <laughs> like, or whatever. Um, and he, I mean, he's just. A sweet dad. He loves his weird daughter because, I mean, he's also weird. He's weirdo, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, also a single dad and raising a daughter of all things. Um, and, you know, he tries to go and get help to save her from the beast and everything. Like, he's doing his best to, like, get back to Belle and protect Belle. And, like, he raised a very strong young woman. And I think that is commendable. Um, Not only that, but if you recall that part where she tries to give herself up for him, and he's like, no, Belle, I'm old. I've lived my life. Yeah. He tries to die for her. Yeah, yeah. so he's trying to protect Belle. Um, I, I don't think Maurice gets enough credit, but he's a good dad. He loves his weird daughter. And they're, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and I think it's like any time you have like a, like a dad raising a daughter or a mom raising a son, I think that's very special because they're having to work around like, well, I didn't grow up like like as a boy or something. And so like I don't know how to deal or how to relate to the issues that the boys deal with and vice versa with like dads raising daughters. And I think he did a great job and he raised a very strong, smart young woman. Um, he should be very proud. Um, he ra- he raised one of the best Dizzy princesses out there. Oh yes, yes indeed. Um, so yeah, and then my number three, to no one's surprise, is Mufasa. <laughs> Mufasa. I love that he comes in solidly at three for everybody. Yep. <laughs> he's he's three on everyone's list. Um, 
I mean, we've already said everything there is to say about Mufasa. We love him. We all were heartbroken when we lost him, even though we only knew him for a little bit. But what a powerful, strong, brave, yet sensitive and caring father lion. He's a legend. <laughs> James Earl he Jones, is. he's the man. <laughs> um, he's a better father than his other famous character. Uh, he fair enough, he yeah. plays famous fathers. That's what he does. Um, uh, my number two is Goofy. Goofy! <laughs> Yay! Which puts him pretty much in number one. Yeah. So. Number one dad. Like, he's a single dad. He's doing the best he can to stay connected with his son when he's a teenager. Some dads would just be like, he's a teenager. Let him be. Like, just let him rebel and stuff. But he just okay, wants... Okay, Pete. He's, yeah, he's like... <laughs> actively seeking that relationship with his teenage son he doesn't want to lose that and also like again single dad like having to do everything himself and also like on top of that being kind of the bumbling character who can't really do everything but he successfully is like raising a kid and why why don't people talk about this more (laughs) goofy's an amazing dad and like and he supports his son going to this concert he really wanted to go to um even even though like it kind of messed up their trip but and he learns how to adapt as a father through all the things they went through um and yeah goofy goofy is a good dad a very realistic dad too in the in the goofy movie so weird but (laughs) to throw this out there also for for you about goofy Mm-hmm. Something you mentioned. He's doing what he knows or whatever. He's doing exactly what his dad did for him. So Max is just a lot more different than Goofy is. Yeah. You know? Goofy is clearly a lot like his own father. So he doesn't realize like, oh, the things I did with my dad aren't really the same thing. I need to. He doesn't quite understand mm-hmm. to shift it for Max just yet. But he's yeah. doing what and, he knows. And he learns that along mm-hmm. the way. And I think that's important because he's yeah. he, he was able to adapt. Um, yeah. In the end. So, yeah. Goofy's a good dad. Um, he is. My number one. Um, Another Goofy! Yay! <laughs> I'm I, like, Carrie mentioned this, but my number one is Faju. No. Because of all the things Carrie said, all, like, one of the things that kind of stuck in my mind thinking about him was he could have been, like, like, Granted, like, Mulan kind of got all these honors and stuff, but he could have been really upset with her of, like, disobeying the family and going against the law and everything. He could have been very much like, how could you? Like, like I can't trust you or something. But he was just, like, she comes home and he's just happy that she's home and she's safe. And he was probably worried crazy while she was gone and... Like, I loved seeing that from such a stern, like, strict father, but showing that, like, side that he just is happy she's alive and happy she's home. And he also has one of my favorite Disney quotes, um, which is the one where it's like, a flower that blooms in adversity is the the most rare and beautiful of all. Like, that's a beautiful quote. And I think, like, every girl should have that, like, on a poster or a t-shirt or something. So I think that's, um, yeah, I just think that relationship was just so special. Um, 
So yeah, I've, I've, I felt like Faju was a very noble father, and I think he deserved to be near the top of my list. Yeah. He's but yeah. Good good call. So, so I do, <laughs> as just to comment on your number one, yeah. um, I do love the feeling in the line. And I know it's not the powerful father line, because the, the powerful father line, of course, is the greatest gift and honor, honor is having, having you, you for, for a, a daughter. daughter. Yeah. yeah. But no, the one that is kind of, more weird that I love is I love the depth of feeling conveyed in the line when they're like she could be killed and he's like if I reveal her she will be mm-hmm. oh yeah because he's like I can't yeah. yeah there's nothing I can do except you know hope that she takes care of this on her own yeah what I love so much about his character is you have to read into what he is thinking a little bit because he's so stoic mm-hmm. and I mean I think y'all agree that it seems like he and Mulan have a really good relationship and that he mostly is like, oh, my daughter's kind of weird, you know, but it's never really said that he just kind of like, I love the part where she drops the teapot and he just like catches it. Like, yeah, uh, this just is normal. Like, this is a thing, you know, and I love the part. Oh, my gosh. When he's praying for her to do well in the chicken. The chicken. <laughs> he's like, please. <laughs> I love the chickens bit. Oh, my gosh. The he chickens. Just, he, he wants what's best for her, but he doesn't understand yet, you know, or even get, get that she can be herself and still like, I just, he's too good. He's yeah. Too good. yeah. It's an, he's an interesting one. But mm-hmm. so that leaves like Goofy the number one. <laughs> Mufasa um, would be number oh, two. Yeah. yeah. Mufasa, I think would be number two because he got three votes and then Faju would be three. Would be and three. then we have to decide, decide on a four. I would say... Because I'd say it's either Pongo, Aquila. I'd say it's either Pongo or Aquila because they were number two on the other lists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I Pongo is mine. Aquila is Corey's. I would pick for me Pongo, but only because I remember him more than Aquila because mm. I didn't watch Jungle Book as much. So that's not that's... like a solid reason, but. I don't know how you guys feel. I don't know either because now I'm torn. Um, okay, I before we go into that one, I have a proposition. Okay. I propose that we make Goofy number one. Okay. Uh, Faju number two and Mufasa number three because we all picked him as number three. I mean, okay. I'm just saying because he was a number one and that's he was fair. A, he was fair. a. He's, he can fall either two or three because he was a four and a one. So he's kind of one of those middle. I'm fine with this, but we're right now we're trying to figure out. I know. I'm just, I was proposing this before he finished out the list. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm honestly very torn because Akila may not be the main character of his movie, but there is a lot of strong aspects to what Corey said. Um but I also think there's a lot of strong aspects to what I said about Pongo. <laughs> uh, if this helps push th- push things, I love Akila. I think he is the better dad. This is my opinion. But if it helps, you know, with the vote, I did also consider Pongo. Hmm. So he was a runner-up on my short list. And I hadn't even thought about Akila. But here's the thing: is I'll feel really bad about not picking Akila, but I also <laughs> feel bad about not picking Pongo. So do we use I, the Cruella Deville as the trump card and be like, she's the worst villain, and we went up against the worst villain? 
That's true. He did go up against the worst villain. Pongo never died for his son. But is that original or the new one? That's the new one, true. right? Yeah. So That's there's the a discrepancy. One. So? Pongo never died for his son, and he also had two incarnations. <laughs> Pongo didn't need to die for his son, because... Okay, you know what? I can't. I can't. I can't finish that. I can't finish that, because I still love Aquila. Um... <laughs> I say this, I say we combo the dog dads and make them both number four. Uh, as much as I would love to, as much as I would love to, I I hear what is happening and we have two votes for Pongo. Ah, But I feel, okay, Akila will be honorable mention. We have mentioned you honorably, Akila. Akila is always honorable. And you know what I okay? Everyone knows this scene from Jungle Book because it is also in Sword in the Stone. But when Wolf Mom and Wolf Dad are just kissing all over Mowgli and loving on him, it's like, ah, oh, you're good, affectionate parents. I thought those were his siblings. I think those were his parents. Oh, I could be wrong. It's been a while. It's sometimes hard to were... tell. They're all animated very similarly. I thought those were his siblings all grown up, but I could be wrong too. I don't or, remember. Then they raised them right. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay. So, okay. yeah. So, our honorable mention, mentioned honorably, is Akela. Our number four is Pongo. Our number three is Mufasa. Our number two is Fashu, Fazu, however we heard the pronunciation. We're so sorry, Chinese listeners. And number one, Goofy. Number Yay. one, Dad. Yay. Yay. One of the Fab Five. So, I will be in England and Scotland. So, apparently, Corey and Dean are going to cook up a mini-sode, which is going to be British-themed. Woo! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And um, what we'll be doing when I return is still a secret. Woo! Yes. Mm. Or we just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I will tell you, I actually have figured out what our movie of the week is going to be. I will announce it during our mini-sode. Uh, okay. So you'll have to come uh, back I can, that. I can pretty much guarantee it is nothing that anyone but potentially unlikely Carrie could guess that I would pick. Okay. All right. We will thank our sponsor one more time, which is Thy Geekdom Come. Uh, you can contact us again on Facebook under Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust Podcast or email us at firstgeek411 at gmail.com. Uh, our Twitter is at FTPD underscore podcast. Our personal Twitters are at Sparkle underscore fists for Carrie, at Spilled X Water for Corey, and at Deanna790 for Deanna. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And I will take this moment to thank our fathers without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast because we would not be alive. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Sorry I'm not here. See you guys when I return. Bye. Except you won't see me. You'll hear me, but I digress. (laughs)